When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, JC, Anthony Davis was a plus 37. You heard me, plus 37 in a whopping 18 minutes in the Lakers' dominant Game 4 win. What's up, everybody? JC and Ethan here with you on the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast following the Lakers' absolutely wire-to-wire victory over the Portland Trailblazers, giving this club an authoritative three-games-to-one lead in a best of what feels like a best-of-five series, but obviously a best-of-seven series. JC, obviously Anthony Davis's performance continues to be the story, but the biggest story hovering over this game, Damian Lillard leaving this one with a non-contact knee injury and being ruled out pretty quickly. What's your take, man, besides a hell of a game from the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the way that he kind of pulled up. Um, I mean, usually, assuming the worst, and it's like a torn you know, ligament of some kind, those usually happen with some kind of a landing or some kind of a push-off. And it didn't really happen here. It was just, I mean, he did kind of kind of push off a little bit, but the area he was favoring, it didn't really seem like an ACL or anything like that, so... I mean, it could be anything, and, and they probably ruled him out just because it was such a blowout, but, I mean, yeah, either way, non-contact knee injuries are, are no good. No bueno, my friend, but all bueno for the Lakers tonight in a 20-point victory. The Lakers scored 80 points in the first half, JC, 8-0. Couldn't quite get to that magic 81 on Kobe's night, 8-24. But if you looked up at the scoreboard in the first quarter, the Lakers did hold at one point a 24-8 lead. And JC, you just can't write it up like that. No, I even uh, I think when it was like sixteen to four or something like that, I, I tweeted I was like, "How cool would it be to see the score go twenty four to eight? And the rest of NBA Twitter kind of caught on to that. And, and when it happened, yeah, everybody was 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 Johnny on the spot with it. You know, I thought it was cool yesterday in the Dodgers game where Cody Bellinger actually launched his eighth home run of the year which was his 24th hit of the season on a day where they all honored Kobe wearing 8 and 24 jerseys on his birthday, obviously. And then with today being 8-24, Kobe Day, as it will be known, in and around Los Angeles and many other parts of the world for the rest of time, the Lakers came out with the spirit of Kobe and then some. I might even say with the spirit of Froby, with how young this team was looking up and down. I mean, 43 points in the first quarter, JC. They came out to send a message right away in this game. Yeah, right away when the when the score was five zero, that's when I when I sent out the tweet. Like the, their energy is just different tonight. Their energy on defense is high, the offense is moving, 
it just it, it felt like a different kind of team finally uh even even when it was just five zero it ended up being 15 to zero to start no doubt and i think the biggest thing is this is kind of the the version of the lakers that although the lakers have obviously been successful now in three straight games in this series coming out with victories this is really the type of team you can expect when everything is clicking, firing on all cylinders. I mean, you look up and down this lineup tonight, everybody was efficient in limited minutes. The Lakers shot 56.3% from the field, 43.6% from deep, JC. 17 threes for this Lakers team tonight. Four from LeBron, three from Danny Green, who finally got going, two from KCP, and five from Kuzma. And then a few others contributed as well from behind the arc. But I think the big story in this game is nobody in the Lakers lineup played over 30 minutes tonight, including LeBron James. Anthony Davis was under 20 minutes and 18, and the Lakers look to be in good position to put this series away in Game 5. Yeah, and they, they did two things that I had been hoping to see from this team. And, and one, it seems like, and I, I think I've talked about before how, how defense sort of creates offense, and this is clearly a team that, that feeds on momentum, and that momentum for the season was clearly halted when, when COVID hit. And so it seems like they've been taking a while to sort of hit their stride, but yeah, tonight they didn't, the offense was moving pretty quickly, like I said, which means they, they were getting layups and instead of shooting threes, driving and kicking. Um, and to me, it seems like the way this team feeds off of momentum, play hard defense first, let that create some offense and then settle into your offense where you're driving and kicking for threes. And that's sort of, that seems to be the recipe for success. Um, the other thing that I've seen them do that I've been imploring them to do all season and as effortless as it seems, maybe it was just a, a weapon that Frank Vogel knew was in his back pocket the whole season and he just didn't have to unleash it. But Anthony Davis pick and rolls are unstoppable. When you've got even Caruso as the ball handler or LeBron, and you run a pick and roll with Anthony Davis, like, are you going to let the ball hammer get a layup, or are you going to get Anthony Davis shoot an open mid range? Like, because either way, you're going to get burned, and it's it's nearly and, unstoppable. And that's what makes you know, or part of what makes this Lakers team so dangerous to play is they really can present a series of mismatches all over the floor, especially when they operate from a place that you know sort of breeds that dangerous mindset in terms of the uh, aggression and style of play on the offensive end. And for me, I just look up and down at this Lakers team and I see LeBron and AD combining to go 15 of 20. You heard me right, 15 of 20 from the field in this game. The only thing I look at this Lakers box score and say that they could do better is shoot better from the free throw line. Still only 20 of 30 in this game. Still leaving 10 points at the foul line. Yeah. But, JC, when you score 80 points in the first half and you've got a lead that puts the game out of reach before the fourth quarter is even a thought, it's really hard to critique anything. Yeah, for sure. Like, when it was so early in the game, Danny Green had a – he made a really good drive and he got fouled uh, and he missed the first free throw. And I was even <laughs> kind of tweet out, like, well, at least his team's consistent with one thing. Um he shot one for three for the night, which is which is odd for him. But uh, yeah, the the miss the miss free throws thing is is going to be a concern at some point. It obviously wasn't tonight, but yeah, there's there's not a lot to criticize there. There's some weird anomalies with with the plus minus as there as there always tends to be with with blowouts. Like Kuzma played a fantastic game tonight. He had 18 points, shot six for 12, made five threes. Like he said, he was only plus two in the. Uh, and the plus minus, but he played really well. Like he, he definitely shined. He didn't just play well in spots. He all game was fantastic. 
it felt like the Lakers really drew the energy out of this Portland team early because we've seen the Lakers have spurts in this series against the Blazers, but then the Blazers sort of wiggle their way back into the mix, if not all the way, at least partially the way. That was never really the case in tonight's game. After that first quarter, and even in that first quarter, it just felt like the Blazers started to give up. Am I reading that too much, JC, or did you get that sense too? Yeah, I mean, they, they've talked about it on, in the commentators how – the play the Blazers have basically played eight playoff games in the seed. Every every seeding game for them was a playoff game. That definitely yeah. wasn't the case for the Lakers, and so fatigue might kind of be setting in for them. Which which they're basically on. Plus, with the playing game, they're basically on game twelve of the playoffs for them. I mean, you really look up and down at this lineup, and obviously, you know, in game four, we saw Hassan Whiteside step into the starting lineup. Uh, to go alongside Yusuf Nurkic, but it really, not that their bench was deep to start with, and I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but not that it was deep to start with, but man, with, with Whiteside in that starting five, Gary Trent Jr. is their sixth man, and then you've got Anthony Simons, and you've just got nothing after that with all those injuries headlined by Zach Collins, obviously the absence of Trevor Ariza and, and others, and I just think this Blazers team, you know, as much momentum as they had coming into the playoffs, and obviously you had bold takes coming out of everywhere from Folgers to Charles Barkley to everybody who's producing some kind of strong take here, okay? I, I don't think this Blazers team ever realistically had a shot of beating the Lakers in a seven-game series. People forget the dynamics of a seven-game series, and, and it's one thing to beat a team one time or even twice, but to beat a team with as much talent and as much you know, attention to detail, although execution had been a problem leading up to tonight and maybe game four, or excuse me, game uh, game three. But now you see the real sort of split in talent level and ability level between these Lakers and these Blazers. And, you know, after game one, and I kind of hinted to it last time, JC, after game one of the Clippers series and after game one of the Lakers series, you know, I think the narrative in L.A. was the Clippers look like more of the title favorite than Lakers. I know there's not anybody saying that right now. No, yeah, and, and and people forget how, you know, LeBron wasn't in the playoffs in 2019, but people forget that in 2018 his playoff run was a legendary one. That's the one where I think he had th- two or three game winner game winners at the buzzer, decimated Toronto in that one fourth quarter. Like his 2018 playoff run, even though it didn't result in a championship or a, a trip to the finals, um, was a legendary playoff run like that just to look at those numbers and what he did and it was just two years ago so yeah people forget how quickly you know lebron can kind of turn it on and yeah he's he's still lebron and he's in playoff lebron is still a thing a real thing oh there's no question about it i mean you take one look at his line tonight 30 points six boards 10 assists and only two turnovers for LeBron, which has been sort of a problem for him. Nice to see him only with two turnovers tonight, keep it mostly clean. Again, you look at the Lakers bench. Kuzma was obviously productive, despite the fact that he was just plus two, as you said, JC, with the 18 points in 22 minutes. Dwight Howard with another solid game off the bench, 13-8, and eight, and on an efficient 5-7 of seven for him. And then you had Markeith Morris, who, you know, still only five points in the box score, and, and five, same amount of points as he had personal fouls, five apiece. But it just felt like he was a presence out there. And I'm glad to see the Lakers are using him because it feels like he's been positively contributing to the culture of this team. Caruso still getting plenty of time off the bench uh, with Rajon Rondo still sidelined. 
I am very curious about how much J.R. Smith we will see if Rajon Rondo is back for Game 5. That's still up in the air with the back spasms now. Because if it's either Caruso or J.R. Smith, I feel like it can be J.R. Smith. And I really hope it's not Caruso. So that's still a variable I think everybody's waiting to see. But, man, this, this Lakers bunch looks a lot more solid to take on whomever comes out of that first round series uh against their projected opposition you know a couple days ago we were sitting here and saying we got to get ready to play Houston and you know they've given us some problems since they went small but now it looks like it's anybody's series again especially with Russell Westbrook still sort of on the shelf without a timeline yeah it uh it's still weird that Deion Waiters isn't getting more minutes because he seemed to play pretty well in the seeding games but yeah Marquee uh is kind of kind of similar to Caruso and he doesn't produce uh you know, productive stat lines, but he he definitely has a positive impact impact defensively. And there's even a couple of moments that I thought were interesting, just because I've, as much as I've watched LeBron his entire career, there's a couple of times where LeBron LeBron would get a rebound, and he just not even a deep outlet would just pass it to Markeith and let Markeith dribble the ball up the court, which I, which to me indicates that he must really trust Markeith. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, it's one of those things that you, when you watch a team for a dedicated period of time and you really get familiar with their most, um, their ins and outs of their style and, you know, some of the details that don't show up in a box score, you start to notice those sorts of things. And I, and I, and I actually had the same observation, so I'm glad you brought that up. And I feel like LeBron had, I mean, look, I, I think it would be foolish to say that anyone this Lakers team added from Waiters to J.R. Smith to Markeith, et cetera, uh, didn't come without the approval or and or input of LeBron. So you know these are guys that he's signing off on in terms of adding them to the mix because I think LeBron is also realistic. Look, he looks at this team and he says, look, if I'm finishing my career with the Lakers, which is what I've said publicly, which is you know my intention, all of this stuff, I think he looks at this year and, and, and next year as you know his best window to, to get another couple of rings on his finger with AD in his prime and, and this Lakers team, at least this particular group, sort of fixed – uh, fixed in this year obviously and then next year moving forward mm-hmm. yeah i agree and so if you're the lakers you gotta feel be, be feeling pretty good going into game five obviously the nice thing is in terms of the western conference you know the dallas and Clippers series is tied up at two apiece utah and denver although utah's up three one it looks like denver could get another game on them so maybe that series goes a little bit more and then you know rockets and thunder at least going to go six games now that that series is tied two two so if the lakers come out and they take care of business in the next one against portland in theory they should get a little bit of a rest here right do you think that's something that's going to help them to sort of uh keep the pedal going in the second round or do you think that this team could be prone to what we saw before, which is they were going so well before the restart, or uh, excuse me, before the season was suspended, and then they had trouble sort of picking it back up in the restart? Um, it, it's hard to say. I think I think if they if they dominate a series, I feel like at this point they know how they can keep the intensity up, even if they they'll have a, a layoff for a couple of days. the The benefit of not traveling is. I mean, it's got to be an immense benefit, but it's kind of even across the board since nobody's traveling. But yeah, I I, I think they're if they end this in five and, and Oklahoma Houston goes seven, or I, mean, I guess it's got to go six at this point at least. Um, yeah, I think there might be a little bit of rust to start the next series, but I think I think pretty quickly they'll pick it back up. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they know why they're there at this point. I feel like this first round uh, series has given them some momentum. And, you know, the other thing about Anthony Davis only playing 18 minutes tonight, I know he's not going to come out and say it and certainly not going to use it as an excuse. But we've seen throughout this series, JC, that that ankle injury 
whatever it is, is obviously causing him some level of discomfort. So obviously any sort of extra rest for your big dogs is good news at this point in the stretch, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. So when you look at Danny Green, Casey, I mean, they, they almost had identical stat lines tonight, which on a good night is kind of what you would expect to see from them, right? They played 48 minutes combined. So between the two of them, they played the full game. They were 10 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 9 from deep, only 1 of 4 from the foul line between two of them, which is obviously uncharacteristic. But both of them were better than plus 20 during their time out there on the court. This is the kind of complementary play that when LeBron gets on his team has made him very successful in the past. And now when you add Anthony Davis to that mix, obviously, it's going to make him incredibly successful. I'm still tripping out that Anthony Davis was plus 37 in 18 minutes. I don't know that I've ever seen something like that. Yeah, it's definitely odd. I mean, it's incredible. That's that's how dominant he was out there, and in the first quarter in particular, because I know AD played, I think if not the major, if not the majority, or if not the entirety, certainly played the majority of the first quarter, and he was just eating Portland alive out there. There was nothing that he couldn't really do besides make a free throw or two, and so it makes sense that he comes off as so dominant. But man, I, I just feel like the Blazers are really hanging their head at this point, JC. And if Lillard can't go, it might get really ugly in Game Five. Yeah, because I mean, even even without the knee for Lillard, um, it seems like CJ's back is finally starting to get to him a little bit. Um, I'm sure we're handling the ball, and Damon said uh, on the gather, his his dislocated finger is kind of bothering him a little bit, even though it's not on his uh, his shooting hand. Uh, I think when when a team is struggling, Whiteside tends to be somebody who who doesn't reflect uh, great characteristics. I think when, when a team starts to flounder, he kind of, oh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the worst oh. team does the worst white side does. Like he's, he's not going to be one you look towards to, to kind of pick your team up. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I, I thought that's kind of what made him, you know, at least in part successful in Miami is he had some guys around him and, you know, he's put in positions for success, at least initially that sort of worked actively against falling into that mindset. But, you know, that was sort of the knock on Whiteside just really quickly. That was sort of the knock on him before he quote unquote made it right. Or, or, or made it into something was that, yeah, he's a big dude and yeah, he's got talent, but the work ethic is in question. He's not, doesn't have the best attitude, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that's what you find out in life, man, is you can be talented and, and, and you can have something to bring to the table. But if you're tough to work with or you're not coachable or you're not receptive to feedback, man, people give up on you pretty quickly. And especially at this level, you, you have to bring it every day because there's always somebody behind you who's waiting to take your spot. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, the Lakers up and down have these guys who, even in those scenarios, right, guys who have kind of fallen out of league and reclaimed themselves, obviously JR and Dion come most immediately to mind who fall under that designation. You know, they have these guys who are motivated because they either A, know it's their last chance, or B, they know they're trying to reclaim themselves into something greater. And, you know, I think that's, that's what helps provide the balance of this Lakers team. And, you know, speaking of reclaiming the roster uh, reconstruction and making sure you have a, a correct balance, I mean, Beluga, JC, did you hear that? That's your moose. You heard me. Your moose, my man, asking for Manscaped. And if you've heard me talk about this, you're going to hear me talk about it again because Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. You heard me, ball hair trimmer, the lawnmower 3.0. It's got an LED light. It's made with advanced skin-safe technology, reduces nicks, cuts on your delicates. You know you want to keep it clean down there. You get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also now includes, JC, get ready for this, 
the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray. Both super practical and they smell great, man. I'm like, can't wait to try this one out. And for a limited time only, when you order the perfect package, KJC, you get not one but two free gifts. You get the Shed Travel Bag and you get the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. This is like a whole kit all in one. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my personal favorite parts of the collection. And the Boxer Briefs have the optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology so you can keep your pride and joy supported. You could tell how passionate we are about what's beneath the waistband on this show. So, speaking of waistband, super elastic. It reduces the rubbing and the chafing. And when your girl sees the logo, she already knows she got a real Manscaped man. You don't need anything more than this. So just try it out for yourself with 20% off all those free gifts. And to top it off, we're going to give you free shipping right here on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. Just use the code HOOPBALL20. That's HOOPBALL20, all capitals. At the Hoopball Lakers podcast, JC, we do it all only from Manscaped.com. Manscaped, we appreciate you and everything that you do for testicles everywhere. That is how you read, my man. Yep. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's the thing, man, is you know, I, I always I always hear these, you know, sort of reads on different shows or obviously commercials on TV and sometimes it feels like, man, who would ever even think about that? But honestly I will say I've had this thought more than once in my life. So I'm glad there's at least one company out there dedicated to solving this problem. Yeah, definitely. That's where I'm at with it. All right, so as we move into game five, JC, and we got everything trimmed, tight, ready to go, what are what is one thing or a couple things that you're looking for from this Lakers team? I mean, for me, like I said, one of the things that I'm looking for is how Rajon Rondo's return, assuming that he's back on the court Wednesday night, impacts the minutes of Alex Caruso and our J.R. Smith. What is something that you're looking for from this Lakers team? Uh, just keep maintaining the hot start. And I think hot starts are dependent on team defense, not so much hot shooting. I think if they play defense really tenaciously, that's going to lead to your offense performing really smoothly. And so from there, I think it's just going to take off. So it's important to get a great start defensively. I agree. And you know what? It's it's interesting because this Lakers defense, as good as as good as the offensive performances have been, obviously, this Lakers defense has really been the story. I mean, they've been able to take this Portland team, which came out and obviously gave the Lakers a smack in the face in game one. But since then, they've been able to take this Portland team and really contain them. I, and now I know Portland had more than 60 points in the second half, but the Lakers went up. <laughs> by a ridiculous amount in the first half. They were up 18 after one, and they outscored them by 11. They were up 29 at halftime. So anything in the second half is almost irrelevant from a, from a counting stats standpoint. To me, this is the type of defense that's going to fuel the Lakers, especially if they have to play really either Houston or OKC next round, but especially if Houston comes out and you got a healthy rust to deal with as well. Yeah, and I think we even tweeted out before the game uh... – the number one team in uh, defensive efficiency throughout these playoffs has been has been the Lakers, and so that's something they they rested their hat on all season, and so it's definitely still true. And they're doing they're doing it almost four points better than the number two team, which is the Toronto Raptors. At what point, I guess here's here's my million dollar question. You ready for sort of a loaded question here? I'm going to spring this one up on you. It's not something we we even talked about pre. Pre-show recording. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. 
at what point, JC, do Lakers fans, general media, or any and all of the above sit here and say, man, maybe we should talk about Frank Vogel a little bit more. Do you think that we're going to get there? I mean, I've, I've heard some of the commentators mention how, how successful he was in Indiana and how he sort of hangs his hat on, on defense and so the way that he built his coaching staff with, with Jason Kidd being his, his main assistant. He's kind of – Jason Kidd kind of focuses on the offense and sort of he's got a really great relationship with LeBron. And so, yeah, I think Frank Vogel preaches defense and this team really kind of eats that up. I mean, just from but from a general conversation, at what point does does ESPN stop saying LeBron and AD and start saying Frank Vogel has done a pretty damn good job with this team? Now I know teams that are led by superstars, especially LeBron's team, and obviously AD fits in the same designation. The coach is never going to be the main talking point unless it's something absolutely out of this world, either good or bad. But I think a lot of people came into the season going. Oh, man, Frank Vogel wasn't even the real choice for the head coach. He kind of lucked his way into this job, and we'll just see what kind of job he does or doesn't do. I, I mean, I, I will have no problem saying he has far exceeded my own personal expectations. Yeah, I think over time people will see it. I think people will even kind of look at the larger picture when you when you look at somebody like Paul George, and, and it seems clear now that, that he was his best under Frank Vogel when maybe he focused on defense a little bit more. He just hasn't quite, and I mean, it's not completely his fault because he's had injuries to his shoulder and things like that. But yeah, Paul George just hasn't really been the same since he realized he was good enough to be a superstar and left in Indianapolis. Man, Paul Paul George is a whole different conversation right now with how he's playing for the Clippers. So at least that's one problem the Lakers aren't going to have both now and moving forward. I saw, I saw somebody tweet yesterday after another day of Paul George's shooting struggles that it was the greatest. Uh, trade heist in NBA history, and while I'm certainly not willing to uh, put that designation on, on the claim, it's uh, it's definitely interesting to look at SGA's progress and look at just all the bounty that they gave up and go, man, that was one expensive trade. But if you believe the story, there is no Kawhi without PG, and obviously that would have been a very different ending for the Lakers too. I still think about that Kawhi AD LeBron team a little bit more than I should, but if it tells you anything that AD and AD how good AD and LeBron are, you know that that the Lakers are where they are right now, and you know, as we're sitting here taping this podcast, JC, I, I can't help but, you know, have Kobe in my mind. And, you know, I'm sitting here watch, watching uh, the Lakers channel uh, on Spectrum Sportsnet and they're replaying, you know, all the points when Kobe went off against the Raptors uh, for that for that 81 point game. And, you know, I, I just it's incredible to me that, you know, we have things like we talked about with a 24 to 8 start with the Lakers tonight and just sort of the the impact that this guy had not only on the team, not only on the franchise, not only on the players who now, you know, are fortunate enough to wear the purple and gold JC, but just, just on the world, man. I mean, from everything from basketball to music, to art, to writing and movies and just all, all across the global, really like pop culture, man. I mean, he, he just touched everything. And in a lot of ways, man, it, it feels you know, obviously he passed away in January, tragically, in that helicopter accident, along with so many others. And you just sit here and, you, and you, it's surreal, man. Like, you know, Woj, Woj had a great Instagram post yesterday where he basically talked about how he couldn't help but imagine how much Kobe would have loved the bubble because it's all basketball all the time. No bullshit, just straight, straight about that business. 
and you know how he basically expects to see him you know walking around the corner one day and just give him a oh what's up Woj you know and it's just so hard to imagine that that's never going to be the reality and it's I, I think there are so many you know people but also obviously Lakers fans who are riding that sort of momentum of man if the Lakers you know are going to come out and do something this season and and compete for a championship I mean that's 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 the best Hollywood sort of story, you know, turning tragedy into some form of triumph, obviously, in terms of the short term. I don't know, man. It, it just it makes me feel some type of way, I guess. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Like, I, 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 I've never seen it as much in, in basketball, but like you mentioned, the, the Dodgers thing yesterday with the eighth home run and the 24th hit. Um, to, I, I come from the filmmaking world a little bit, and a lot of my friends – aren't so much into into live sports but they really dig sports movies and they, they dig sports movies because of how cinematic um those moments tend to be and i try to tell them i'm like that stuff is real <laughs> like that those types of moments and that kind of magic is for lack of a better term like that that kind of stuff is real um you know n- n- numbers are numbers and yeah there's coincidences but sometimes there's way too many for them to just be coincidences like the 24 to 8 thing them almost hitting uh, 80, 81 points. And in fact, I think the first game they played after he passed, they had 81 points in the first half. So they've already done that. And they almost did it again tonight. Um, yeah, stuff like that is real. And, and, and LeBron even even spoke about it a little bit where he looked up and he saw the score 24-8. to 8, And he said, yeah, Kobe's in the building. Uh, which is even something that I tweeted. I was like, you can't tell me otherwise that Kobe's not in the building. And so... Yeah, that the stuff like that is all over the place in sports, and it's and it's real. And yeah, his his spirit is definitely in this team. Uh, there's no question about it, man. And and you know the fact that obviously his former agent and one of his you know really great friends is the now the GM and you know sort of architect of this roster that's brought the Lakers back to prominence. I mean, everything about the script fits the fits the story so perfectly, and it. it it really is amazing, and I think for this Lakers group, they're motivated by a greater purpose. They seem to all be bought in on the same page, and you know, I I, I always say this, and it, and it sounds funny when I when I say it out loud, but I always say this, which is, it's one thing for teams to want to play together; it's another thing for teams to genuinely like 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 each other. You know, like as people, like everybody on this team, they're they're all friends. There, there's no drama, and I know you know we we recorded a podcast way earlier this season, JC. And I know you brought up that point, which is that everybody just seems to be going in harmony together. And no matter who is added or subtracted from this roster or some of the challenges that they've been faced with, it seems that that trend has just continued. And I think that's a, I think that's a credit to the leadership in the building, from the coaching staff to the front office, and obviously LeBron and AD. But I think it's just as much a credit for, for everybody who's involved for you know being able to stick on the same page and really be motivated by something that is not based in the individual. And that's that's hard. It's very very hard. And sometimes when you're when you're accustomed to successful results or or greatness, for lack of a better word, it can almost become mundane, and you need to find new challenges, new ways to engage yourself. That's why you know what makes Dynasty so impressive, and what makes you know teams who win, you know, like, like the Spurs regular season stretch so impressive. It's very hard to keep up that level of effort over a sustained period of time. And you know, I think this Lakers group is is one that that is capable of doing that. But at the same time, I think they're going to have very real challenges. Uh, both in the second round and in the Western Conference Finals, let alone in the finals, if they're fortunate enough to get there. I don't think you can look at their performance in the first round and say, 
oh, okay, now we got a final team. I think they still got to prove a couple things. And if they play the Rockets in the second round, like I do, like I expect, and I know others expect them to, you know, obviously the Lakers can be ripe with mismatches for the Rockets, but it goes both ways. And it's really a team that they've had a lot of trouble with. So I'm very curious to see how things shake out because the Lakers are going to have to make some adjustments if they're planning on playing the Rockets in the second round. If they're playing OKC in the second round, I think it's a whole different ball game. And obviously, you know, I, I don't think there would be uh, as much. It's not that there would be, you know, concern, but as much concern, for lack of a better word. Is that is that kind of a feeling that you have as well? Yeah, I totally agree. And just to kind of echo the point about how this team likes each other, yeah, like this this bubble situation, if, if – for teams that have players that that maybe don't get along so well, like I can, this has to be some kind of a weird nightmare scenario to to twenty four seven be surrounded by guys you don't necessarily like working with. But these guys genuinely do, and I um, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to earlier this year where Demarcus Cousins was was talking about this very point, and he goes, "Yeah, like that stuff is real. Like like one guy goes to the movies, we're all going to the movies. One guy goes goes out to dinner, we're all going out to dinner. Uh, so like." Yeah, that's that stuff's important, and you can see that in this team. Man, isn't it amazing that the Lakers never had the pleasure of having Demarcus Cousins play a single second for them this year? Kind of almost, kind of almost easy to forget about until you until you remember it. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't know how much how in demand his services will be this off season, but yeah, I definitely hope he comes back because I man, I would have wanted to see that. I think there's an interesting scenario in play here where the Lakers might decide kind of regardless of DeMarcus Cousins but in the event you know Cousins says hey I want to you know give it another shot with you guys do you see a scenario just really quickly here as as a as a as a sort of side conversation do you see a scenario where the Lakers move on from JaVale but try to keep Dwight um maybe it I guess it kind of depends Dwight does seem pretty content to not play as many minutes and I know he's not exactly making the league minimum, but I mean, if that that's a situation he could kind of agree to, make, maybe make a little bit more or a little bit less money, create a little bit more roster flexibility, and him being a team player that way, I could see them maybe kind of keeping him around for that. But yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I don't think that's a situation that the Lakers are going to have to obviously worry about immediately because they've got some bigger fish to fry in their immediate foresight, which is something I wanted to bring to the table. And, you know, kind of before we get ready to wrap it up here, JC, I'm just kind of looking at this box score again. And I think for the Lakers, if if, if you have the ideal sort of scenario play out, right, if, if I'm the Lakers, my ideal scenario is that, you know, uh, game five isn't a huge challenge in terms of whether Damian Lillard is available or not. But I have the capacity to sort of give LeBron and AD that space to rest like we did tonight. And we kind of cruise into the second round on a, I don't want to say with half gas, but, you know, not pushing like we were down 1-0 after game one. Because if the Lakers can kick back and see both of these, uh, these you know, this first round series uh, have multiple games behind them. <clears throat> I mean, we know they're going to go at least six games, two of them, and at least five games for another. But if the Lakers can kick back and see all those series go six or seven games, that has to be a good feeling. Oh, yeah, for sure. And any time that that's happened to a LeBron team, it's – it's always worked out pretty good, and, but I mean, it's hard to say whether or not that's because of the rest or it's because LeBron James is on those teams. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, you know, the LeBron James factor is very real and very r- real, near, and dear to all of our hearts, man. So 135-115, Lakers get the better of the Blazers this evening in game four to take a 
one series lead. And if you were a betting man, JC, would you have bet that the over over two forty nine to hit two fifty tonight combined score? Um, yeah. When it comes to over under in NBA, it's yeah you you kind of always want to bet the over because you root for a lot of points, but it's hard to say with this team. Uh, and and with the injury to Damian Lillard. Uh, if you are looking to bet the next game, which you can do so at mybookie.ag, um, that line hasn't come out yet, probably because they're waiting uh, to hear back on that MRI. But to go back to mybookie.ag, uh, you can, uh, yeah, with the promo code HoopBall, uh, you can create an account with them. Uh, they match your deposit 100%. They'll also give you a free $10 MLB future wager. But mybookie.ag with the promo code HoopBall, it's super easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Mybookie.ag. Sounds good to me. And depending on how that Lillard injury situation pans out, I might be looking at the under for the next one, especially if the Lakers build up a big lead. But, you know, the Mets are back in action after a COVID-19 case, JC. Not something the NBA bubbles had to worry so much about. But the Mets are back in action, so I might take advantage of that futures bet as well, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Cubs J- fan. I hope the MLB right oh, now okay. keeps a keeps a lid on this thing because the Cubs are playing really well this year. Hey, uh, Grandpa Ross taking over as manager. Just good things for that clubhouse, I think. Right? Amazing what what a change at the helm could do. I mean, you sub out Luke Walton for Frank Vogel. All of a sudden, you got a championship team. Just kidding. You know, obviously Anthony Davis is a huge factor in that mix. A healthy LeBron and a much upgraded roster. You know how it goes. So from all of us, that's JC and myself at the Hoopball Lakers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers. You can follow JC at JC Daily on one. And of course, you can follow me at Ethan underscore Noroff. Lakers are up 3-1 in the first round series against the Portland Trailblazers. 135-115 tonight's dominating victory. And they'll look to close it out in game five and send the Blazers home from the bubble. Until then, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.